Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a holiday edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby, uh, follow us on Twitter at acsmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Um, John, happy holidays. Happy almost uh, New Year. Was the uh, the guy in the red suit good to you? Yeah, I had a great holiday season so far. Uh, my My number one gift, I think, I got some 19... 19- 90 Michigan State shorts. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, they're really classy. People forget they those were uh, some of the best ones. I might have to tweet them out. I was going to say, we're gonna, you need to show the people what you're talking about. 1990, so we're talking like Steve Smith-ish era? It, that is exactly what I'm talking Dang, about. man. They were on uh, a website called 19... 19- uh, nine, if anyone's interested in checking out, they have like all these retro, like, like gear and they have some Michigan state stuff. They have magic Johnson era stuff. They have Mateen era stuff. So, but I really, I love these. They're really classy ones there. And I, you know, they're a little different. I think people forgot about them. So ready to look awful wearing those in some (laughs) open old mansion. It's going to blend really nicely in with your beautifully pale skin, right? Well, you know what? My, my dad always said, you know, if you're, you might as well look good. I mean, <laughs> you're going to be bad, but you might as well look good doing it. And I, right. I, I, I bought in on that, you know? It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's look good, play good, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you That's know, just look good. Of it. Just look good. I think look good is really where we need to concentrate. When I say look good, I, I don't mean like overdo it with the, the shooting sleeve and the Rex backs. Ooh, and the I don't head. know, no. man. Jack Hoiberg's pull, Jack Hoiberg's kind of killing the game right now. You might need to get some rec specs. Jackie, Jack's done with the rec specs, man. I know, but that doesn't mean you can't help him live on. It's true. I, you know, I hadn't thought through it. It's just something to think about. So those are mine. How, did you get any uh, good you know, stuff? What What was the – oh, well, I got a – gosh, what was the kind of the highlight here? Um in terms of Michigan State gear, didn't get any dope MSU gear. Honestly, in most of my closet is Michigan State stuff, so that's probably You're better good. for me as a human adult to not get more. Um, sure. But I did get uh, I did get some Michigan State chapstick in my stocking, which was splendid. I've uh, been using that what bad that boy. Like? It's literally just a tube of chapstick with a Michigan State logo on it. It's pretty slick. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna I'm gonna use it even in the off seasons. Although for me, there is no off season, so. This this bad boy will be coming around with me, uh, pretty pretty much everywhere. Between that and uh, 
Got uh, a new pair of shoes, the Clark Wallabies. Not sure if anybody's familiar with those, the Wu-Tang shoes. Been wearing those since I was in high school, so I'm going to keep sticking with those bad boys. Well, it sounds like we made out pretty well. Pretty good, yeah. And uh, you know who else is doing quite well at this moment? We're going to get to sports now. Um, is John, you wanted to drop in a little bit here about the uh, women's basketball team. Okay, so last time where we left you, they took out the number three team in the country, Oregon, and they are now up to they won again. They're ten and one on the year, ranked twenty second in the country right now. And in three days, on December thirtieth, which I believe uh, is a Sunday, they take on uh, number sixteen Iowa at home. Um, highly recommend going to the game if you have nothing else going. But it'll be on ESPN too if uh, you do have something else going. New uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time game. I'm telling you, this team can hoop a little bit. They might make a little noise. This is Susie's had Susie Merchants had some teams that you know maybe were a little more got a little more fanfare and, and fell on their face. This one is the opposite. Was we're not getting a lot of love at the beginning of the season and kind of showing up. But this is a big one. Home game against Iowa Big Ten. Uh, we'll keep track of that game as well as this program as the season progresses absolutely um as always good to see the other teams aside from your your standard men's basketball and football teams kind of keeping that spartan name in 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 a positive uh good place good stuff good stand there you go sorry man it's christmas i'm exhausted um Amen. i've been on break for far too long um cool so now let's talk about the other uh, basketball team, the men's team. Um, just before the holiday break here, uh, the men's team had a game against Oakland. Uh, they ended up winning that one 99-69. Nice. Um, and I don't know, John, I, I was watching this game, and I I feel like MSU was definitely the, the superior team. Obviously, you don't win a game by 30 points without being that. And, you know, Oakland has, has had better years. But I, I felt like maybe... At certain points, the score didn't tell the whole story of this game. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. I think well, you thought it was a little closer than this. I did. Okay. Just a little bit, like not a lot. Yeah, I can see that. Unfortunately for Oakland, they just ran out of horses. You right. know, they 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 just can't. There's a there's a little bit of a drop off. A lot of bit of a drop off once they got to their bench and couldn't keep up with Michigan State, who we found. Um, there, that is one of the best assets of this Michigan State team. Is not only are they deep, but there there is a bit of a drop off from the starters, but it's not severe. And um, th- that was, uh, I think, the difference in this game. Yeah, um, forty-seven fast break points though for Michigan State. That's more than I can remember in quite some time. Forty-seven is a lot, and even Greg Campy said it. He said they like to play fast, or we like to play fast. They just play way faster. Um, it's funny, everybody, you know, every year it feels like Tom Izzo talks about how he wants to push the ball and, and be this fast break, secondary break type offense. I mean, we this is truly the manifestation of that. I think we saw that at a lot of times last year as well. But, you know, with the team getting smaller, um, and frankly, their, their center, Nick Ward, getting into, here's a cliche for it, into a lot better shape, Um they're really able to fly down the court, man. And and I think this, again, almost 50 points on the fast break, that's a lot. It doesn't matter who you're playing. but I yeah, think- and, and, it, and it stems with, you know, it starts with the big guys. 
right. oddly, which is, is, you know, you watch other college basketball teams, Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman, you know, they're working harder than a lot of big guys. You don't, I just haven't seen centers running down the middle of the court as hard as those guys do. And it's just paying so many dividends for them. You know, yeah. they, it's paying off and, and, I don't know how other teams. It's almost. It's not as if other teams can can match this at this point because it's it's easy to say like we'll just have our big guys do that too. That's easy way to get buckets. Not everyone is in as in great a shape to do that. To have the stamina uh, to to have forty minutes of guys who can do that. Fortunately for Michigan State, Ward and Tillman are you know both playing about twenty two minutes a game. They can both give those bursts that long. Not every team is blessed with the depth we have at the that position. So we are going to get those points all year, and no one can really do anything about it. It's kind of our secret weapon at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're what you're saying is hitting on a really good point. Like, if Michigan State is able to to do that, like by having the big guys able to run down the floor, you get that inherent advantage. It leads to a lot of easy buckets and we're also lucky with a guy like Nick Ward especially you know to be able to to have somebody that like really doesn't miss around the rim and to have a, a point guard in Cassius Winston who is you know just looks like an absolute natural in running the break um I think a couple positive things that you know, kind of bear themselves out in the stats for this game were that or over the course of the last five um Nick Ward like I said, just doesn't really miss shots anymore, especially at the Breslin. He is, and you pointed this out to me before we got on here, he is 46 of his last 54 shots at the Breslin this year. So I think that's his his shots for the entire season. That's 85%. That's an, an absolutely absurd number. That's an absurd percentage for almost lit, almost any statistic in basketball. Um, so to be making all of those shots and, and really not missing, to have a set of sure hands like that around the rim is is absolutely huge. Um, and then on the other side, I think Cassius is is really starting to settle in this year in a lot of ways. Over the last five games, you know, everybody talks about Michigan State's turnover problems. And, and yeah, it still exists for sure. Um, but over the last five games, Cassius has six total turnovers. And that includes that game against Florida, where, yeah, he didn't play his normal set of minutes, but um, that includes a game against a ranked Iowa you know, that includes games where they're running up and down and scoring 100 points a game. Like, he's starting to kind of figure it out, and I think that is one of the, the biggest wins that Michigan State could possibly have this year is, is for Cassius to settle in and, and not be turning the ball over three, four, five times a game because that, when you play like this, that's the type of thing that can undo you in a, in a close game against a good opponent. Like, you're going to run into down the line in the Big Ten on the road and, and in the tournament. But um, Cassius really starting to play well. And uh, in this game specifically, you know, you kind of saw him shine through. The team as a total had 27 assists, only seven turnovers. Um, yeah, kind of just nice to see them keep rolling. Not No significant injuries, nothing really all that exciting to come out of this one um, from a top-level standpoint. But, John, I know there were a couple uh, freshmen that impressed the, the both of us in this one. You still there? John, I can't hear you. Not really. Not really. Are we good now? That's better. 
All right, let's do this. So we were talking about Foster Lawyer um, kind of it needing to be a serviceable backup point guard. And I think he's really done that, especially as we saw in this past game. He jumped in and he's been able to provide, you know, eight to ten minutes in Cash's backup and as a net neutral. He did it again, came in, was very efficient. I believe he had four assists. And he's really helping uh, the team at not lose a step when he's on the court. True facilitator will not be matching Cassius's out, but I think he's like fourth in the nation in assists per game. But all you ask for is for Foster to come out and just sort of maintain, right? And he's been more than doing that. And that's kind of a thing you wanted to keep an eye on um, as the year progressed to see if he could keep giving eight minutes a game. Um, and he definitely did that in this one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think we both kind of, you know, I, I had talked about that, like you said, a little bit here. Um, coming into this game, he's going to be crucial to this team's success. One of the other, you know, there's some other freshman observations like we had talked about. We're sort of in the middle of their quote-unquote final exam to decide, you know, who's going to be a part of this rotation moving forward. Um, saw some interesting stuff. I think it seems like every other game it's it's somebody new. Um, this game, you know, I think Thomas Kithier also had a nice little game. He had seven minutes, only scored one point, uh, but had three boards, three assists, and a block, and didn't look terribly out of place. Again, I think he's probably settled into that, you know, kind of five fouls, steal minutes for the other two big guys whenever he can type guy, or plays when other guys get into foul trouble. But uh, I think he's proving that he's, you know, at least a capable set of hands um, during those emergency moments, which, listen, sounds like nothing, but you never know, man. You, you never know when you're going to need that guy throughout the course of the season. To, so to have him is obviously a very, almost a nice luxury. Um, one of the other sides of that, though, is is the freshman who has played the most uh, thus far this season in Aaron Henry might be hitting, uh, it looks like he might be hitting a bit of a wall. And that's not unexpected. I mean, he's played, you know, this is this team is, you know, um, a decent amount of games into the season, a good chunk of games. You know, this is not uncommon for someone to, you know, as an 18-year-old to kind of hit that wall and, and struggle a little bit. But, you know, he just doesn't look as confident thus far, especially offensively. I think he... I think he's got to start hitting some shots. Honestly, it looks like he's hesitating a little bit. He's kind of just going through the motions and, and getting out of the way. Um, I still think he's holding his own very, very well on the defensive end. And ultimately, you know, in this year, that's kind of where his value is going to really peak. But offensively, he can take the next step this year if he's just willing to take some shots. I feel like he's out there kind of deferring to a lot of the upperclassmen, which totally understandable. But you can't be afraid to let a couple fly and uh, I think he, he, you know, with any shooter, they'll all tell you, you know, once you see that ball go through the net, that confidence just starts to soar. And I, I think all he needs is is one or two games like that in a row, and uh, he'll he'll kind of, hopefully, you know, that'll grease the skids and he'll he'll get going a little bit. But um, Henry, not the only freshman to play. As a matter of fact, in the weird department, uh, every single player on the roster played in this game. I don't think that's the first time that's happened this year, but. What everybody wants to talk about, sure, everybody played. Everybody really wants to know, John. They want that Connor George update. Let's hear yeah, he it. Got a, he got a bucket um, as a part of the Connor George fan club. And if you're unaware, every time he scores, uh, Connor's Bombers wants everyone to uh, shotgun a beer. Now, I don't know if I'm capable to keep up with the young lads, but I will I will have a light beverage uh, every time he has a bucket. And, and he – Connor held his end of the bargain, so 
Uh, I did my part. I know there are other satellite members of the program. If uh, if and when Connor gets his bucket, share your bev on the twitter.com. Uh, Connor's Bombers retweets uh, for all fan members. Um, <clears throat> one freshman you wanted to talk about, and I wonder if it's related to Aaron Henry hitting a wall, uh, maybe taking some of his minutes. Were you thinking Gabe Brown was taking his minutes, or is that maybe one of the reasons that it's, Aaron Henry is slowing down? Maybe. I kind of think they exist. To, so to me, when I look at the two of them, they sort of exist in like different world, like realms a little bit. So to me, Aaron Henry is, is kind of a guy who's playing one through three. And Gabe Brown, for better or worse, whether he's out of position is another question, um, is kind of playing three and the four almost with this team. So um, I think it's possible that he could steal his minutes. I don't know that Gabe Brown's going to be able to check guards the way Aaron Henry can. So I think, I think Henry's defensive value will uh, keep him on the floor quite a bit and probably ahead of Brown, but you got to give Gabe Brown a lot of credit, man. He is, you talk about Aaron Henry needing to be a little more confident, letting some shots go. Gabe Brown, Bubba does not need that confidence boost. This young man is letting the ball fly when he shoots or when he gets on the floor. And really, I don't know how you could ask for anything else. He's he's making currently 75% of his threes. Excuse me, 70, uh, no, 70% of his threes. Um, he's four of five on the year. Uh, making He's made 10 of his 13 field goal attempts, shooting 77% from the field. Um, and listen, it's not a huge sample size. But this is the type of kid who can – it's not going to lead to some huge offensive drop when he comes onto the floor. Uh, he's got the size to check defensively. He's a little skinny still. But, um, you know, it would be interesting if, if Henry still does continue to struggle. Maybe he doesn't end up subbing in at the three. Maybe he's not the one coming in for Kyle Lawrence. Maybe it is Gabe Brown. Maybe – Henry becomes the one who only checks in for Langford when Langford goes out or Winston when he goes out. Um, it, it'll be interesting. It is a rotation and you can, you know, it's just basically think of it as a big pie chart. It's just how many, how do you want to split up this pie? It could, it doesn't have to be one or the other uh, if you're a forward or a guard. And, and listen, if Brown, he only took one shot in this game, made it, it was a three. If he's going to keep doing that or something near it, and, and be confident and not be reckless and, and keep his freshman moments fairly limited. I don't know how he doesn't still steal minutes uh, down the stretch, but I think the, the exciting part of it is, is that the potential is really, you can, you're starting to really see it from these freshmen. I think, um, I think their ceilings are all fairly high. I think you can tell that they're all, once they get a little more seasoned and some more experienced that they're going to be ready for some, some bigger roles, maybe not this season, but uh, down the line. So um, this game is sort of a little microcosm of, of what maybe we can expect from, from several of these freshmen. Can I run something past you? You can. Okay. So everything I just heard you say is, you know, Gabe Brown is providing spot minutes and he's, and he's really excelling. You know, I, I call that a spark off the bench, right? Sure. You call him sure. That? So is his nickname now Gabe Bubba Brown? Is it, Bubba Sparks. Oh man, John. Yeah. You might. It, it might be. It it's might Bubba be. Oh. It has to be at this point. He's he's fulfilling the role. Mister New Booty. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go there? Do we need to go there just yet? 
I got to tell you, if he when when we play at Maryland this year, College Park, Bubba Sparks, I mean, <laughs> it's going down. It's done. Uh, that's hysterical. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I, I think you're onto something personally. Kyle Park. Kyle Park, Bubba Sparks. Oh my god. The potential here is really unlimited. Well, that's what we're here for. You know, that's our job. We're here to make sure people know. So, uh, game coming up, another very winnable game. Taking on the uh, Monty Montgomery Northern Illinois Huskies. Can you believe that this is Monty's eighth year in DeKalb, Illinois? Uh, Beautiful DeKalb. Um, No, that's crazy that he's been been there for for eight years and um yeah i think you might be right though uh this eighth year is a long time to be at a program especially when they're the highs aren't notably high uh nary and nit nary and nit yikes they just keep him around he seems like a good dude they're like whatever we got a good football team no big deal there is something to the whole like just just know yourself as yeah. a program. So yeah. I, I sort of respect that, but also like eight years is a lot. For no, for nothing back. This is, you got to think this is a year where he may be at the end of his rope. If he doesn't produce They're seven and five so far, but no real, their best win was at Oakland where they won by 20. Um, they lost to another common opponent of ours, uh, green Bay lost by two. Um, Got killed by Butler. I I don't think this this is a like I said a very winnable game. This is one that Michigan State will likely be favored by uh, more than twenty, um, and for good reason. But they do have a few weapons. Uh, an undersized guard Eugene. His last name is spelled German, but I, this may be a Hermane situation. Yes, yeah, could be a like a, a Herman. I like yeah. Herman. I think we're gonna, we should stick with Herman for now. Okay, he's averaging 21 a game. That's significant. Obviously, obviously good. Um, so, and in, in a position that we are exposed, uh, the point guard defensive position. So, I will, I'm hoping to see uh, Cassius step up to the challenge of defending uh, scoring point guard. And then they have a swing, Levi Bradley, who is averaging a solid 16.7 rebounds a game. But beyond that, the only things that they're really great at is uh, three-point percentage as a team. They're shooting about 42%. That's really good. It's one of the best in the country. Unfortunately for them, they are statistically one of the worst defensive teams in the entire country. Uh, opponents are shooting over 50% on the year against them. So never good when the, you're on defense and every team you've played is, is averaging scoring more than – one every two shots. Yeah, sure. typically, typically bad. And also to your to your point, uh, it's usually bad. Also, when you average nearly sixteen turnovers a game, which is, is another thing in Northern Illinois does. Um, yeah, I think that's an Izzo tree thing. It might be. Just it, gotta, you know, it's just part of the gig. Yeah, your team has to turn the ball over a lot. This is what you signed up for. Um, yeah, so I, I mean. Michigan State's one of the best, you know, offensive teams in the country. They're going to push. They're going to – I don't expect MSU to have to do anything different. Um, you know, it's never 
exciting to play against a team that is just a really good three-point shooting team because that's the great equalizer. That's kind of what can keep a un, you know an under-talented roster in, in a game against a good team. So something to watch out for there, especially, you know, it might not be the rowdiest atmosphere. It still is uh, winter break, I believe, for everybody. So um, it, it's probably not going to be the, the livest atmosphere. You just hope that the guys are kind of locked in and, and ready to go out and 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 win so i again kind of to your to your point i don't expect this to be much of a game hopefully it should be fairly low stress but at the same time you know uh you I, you just never know well if like i said um kind of the last tune-up before the big 10 tournament or excuse me the big 10 season kicks off for real um friday game it's going to be a sleepy game um, I think just one that everyone just wants to, including Tom Izzo, to just get out, get out of there, be done with this, and and start preparing for uh, Big Ten play next week, opening against Northwestern. Um, yeah, some some quick news and notes. We talked last pod about Jalen Terry, the uh, number one prospect in Michigan, um, declaring this week, yeah. and he decided against that. He decided he needed more time. So we don't know when that will be, but it is still a consensus. It's down to Michigan State and Iowa State. We'll just see uh, when he makes that decision. And candidly, it would have been a very early decision um, for a high school junior to do so. But uh, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep tabs on that. Yeah, it, it sounds to me like you know, it sounds to me like there's probably somebody, some other teams that are have been calling and the the guess would be that they're you know higher profile type teams um so this one might drag out a little bit but again like you said it's 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 super early for a high school junior especially one of the caliber of terry so you know listen we'd love to to have him sign on the dotted line today but um he'll probably take another he'll probably take an official to michigan state msu is very very much in the running here and people should not uh freak out about this one just yet. Yeah, I, think, I think you hit it on the head. He's going to start getting, he's only a high school junior, garnering attention from other Power 5 programs. So it's actually in his best interest to just wait right. you know, and see who else is is interested in him and, and opening up and finding scholarships for him. So yeah, it makes sense for him to wait. Um, but that point guard position is one that Michigan State is going to want to fill um, as they have been with a point guard every other year. So um, he is definitely a plan A guy for his own. 100%. Totally agree. So I got to ask, did you, switching gears to football, did you happen to watch the Minnesota-Georgia Tech game yesterday? <laughs> I did not watch the game. I know you did, though. Oh, yeah, of course. PJ, you were right. He had a plan. He was ready for the triple option. I told you. And Minnesota came out victorious. Uh, the, so now the, the triple option is dead in Power 5 programs today. There's no one running it as of today. It's dead? Sad Wait, hat. they're done? They, because Paul Johnson's gone? Are they just done? He's gone. Well, right, but does that mean they ran it before he got there? I got to think that it died with him. I hope it died with him. I mean, it's fun to have a team doing it, but we'll always have Army. I mean, we don't really need or Navy and Navy, like really either of them. Power five level. 
I don't think we need it, man. I'm kind of over it. I think it'd be cool. To, it's or to me, I guess as a fan, like there's just there's such a ceiling on it. Like you're always going to win between six and you know maybe like out of your best year, you're going to win ten games. There's just no way that you're going to beat great teams playing like that with any type of consistency. Hey, Army just won eleven. Yeah. And, and I support the troops. I support the troops. I support the troops. But Power 5 level, dude, you're in Georgia. Like, you literally play in Atlanta. You go, like, It's a phenomenal school. They play in the city. Like, there is no reason why they shouldn't be able to get tons and tons of talent there. Um, I think it's in their best interest to switch. I mean, dude, they've already gotten crazy talent. They had Demarius Thomas, Calvin Johnson – Weirdly, they've put like a ton of receivers in the league, which makes no sense because they haven't thrown the ball in like 40 years. I kind of loved it. I mean, it's nice and weird. It's a really, it's a very college football thing, but I would like to see it happen. Like, I would like to see someone like Les Miles like randomly start running it at a place like Kansas. It has to be like a gimmicky thing at a gimmicky school. It can't be at a like an ACC, like what could be a very like in a hotbed of talent, like go do it at some like Kansas state or Kansas or somewhere in the great plains, the dust bowl. It equals the playing field, you know? So that is a smart thing for Kansas to do if they were to give it a run here. Right. But Georgia tech doesn't need to do that is my point. Well, maybe they felt like they did because they couldn't compete with Georgia. I don't know. You get the three stars, man. Connor Hayward was a three star out of Georgia. He would look pretty good on that team. Everyone should adopt the Michigan State mentality and become good with three stars. I think I'm just saying. Everyone is trying to do that, Austin. No, listen, try harder. Just be better. That's really my motto. Just be better. Just be better. Do do it. Do it more. Run the score points play. So Oregon, they do that. State is playing does run the score points play a lot. They average like thirty suit thirty seven point two a game. Pretty good. they run the, the score points play. That is 18th in the nation. But to our credit, to Michigan State's credit, um, we are one and one against teams who actually have scored more than that a game. There you uh, go. Ohio State and Utah State actually scored more points per game than Oregon. Came in one and one. So Oregon's offense is not going to be some hot, flashy thing that the defense uh, will be stunned by. Um, so. But, 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 we just found out uh, a couple days ago today, uh, Justin Herbert. Yep. Coming back. Not our pro- We had to play him anyway. No big deal. But uh, Oregon is perhaps rejuvenated that they will be returning, I believe, all 11 offensive starters next year. Wow. Yeah, my, my Oregon Ducks. So if you guys haven't noticed, we are now talking about the – uh, Red Box Bowl here uh, taking place on uh, New Year's Eve at 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern, God knows what time on Pacific, I don't know. Um, but they, they, it should be an interesting matchup. I think the, the Herbert news really puts it into a new light um, and really I think ultimately benefits Oregon more than anybody else. Obviously, it certainly you know it could play in either – Either way, like if he had declared, would that have helped Michigan State? Even if he was playing, 
but I think him sticking around and kind of galvanizing that team, um, they're probably looking at this, you know, as a springboard into next year. I think Oregon as a whole is, you know, maybe, maybe a little disappointed in the way that their year went this year. Um, you know, we had talked about it for quite some time, uh, throughout the course of this year. These guys really had, uh, had it all in front of them. They had, they were hosting Stanford. They were hosting Washington, uh, they had winnable games against Washington State, Cal, Utah. Um, the, the path to the college football playoff, the path to a Pac-12 championship, it was all there in front of them. And, you know, they let a couple get away. Uh, they really blew that game against Stanford very early in the season. I don't know if you oh, remember that. Just just absolutely choked that one away. Uh, bounced back and won two good games at Cal um, and at home against Washington in overtime, kind of valid vindicated got a little vindicated there uh but then down the stretch you know they lost some games they probably thought they should have win they they went to Arizona not a good Arizona team and got smacked 44 to 15 uh lost on the road in a tough one to Utah um did bounce back for a nice win against Arizona State and and dusted uh Oregon State in that rivalry game but um you know, they, they finished the year at eight and four. Probably felt like they could have been better. I feel like they they probably came out of this thinking they should have been at least ten and two. I know I certainly thought that they went three and three in their last six. So um, I, I have a feeling that one of the messages that's really being pumped in that locker room is is uh, you know let's use this as a springboard into next year. We got our quarterback back, like you said, John. We got a ton of offensive talent coming back. Like let's let's use this as our um, our chance to really launch into 2018 and, and or 2019. Wow. Uh, and, and that's going to put Michigan state, you know, I think that gives, gives Oregon probably a, a mental advantage heading into this one. Perhaps, perhaps, um, you know, as we talked to, as I said prior, Oregon was already going to play with this team, you know, nothing changes, you know, mentally, perhaps a little different. They may be a little more enthused, but, this Michigan State defense is so good that I'm like not concerned, as concerned as maybe other teams True. might for this news. Um, the issue, eh, as it has been all year, will be on Michigan on the offensive end for Michigan State. Um, but fortunately, Oregon's passing defense is v bad. Quite. Uh, you know they are giving up almost 250 yards per game uh, passing. Um, that is that is 12th out of the 13 MSU opponents have played this year. So not good. Um, so if there was ever a place for a TBD starter, Michigan State quarterback starter, to uh, to succeed, it would be this game in, a, in what will likely be a, an up-and-down game. Um, Michigan State's defense will probably give up yards um, through the year, but ideally, you know, we'll, do, we'll see the old bend but not break. Uh, aspect here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, w- I would say that I expect this to go. This isn't surprising. I mean, really, like y- you kind of just nailed it. Like this game is all going to come down to whether Michigan State can score. I will say, kind of. I mean, again, I think you sort of hit it. Uh, Oregon can score if you look at the way that they won their games this year. And this is going to sound really stupid and obvious, but like when they scored a decent amount of points, they won. I mean, they didn't sure, sure. They, most of the time. But you look at their losses, 
it's when their offense wasn't able to put up. I mean, the most points they scored in a, in a, in a loss was 31, which was in that loss to Stanford. But after that, it was 20, 15, 25. Like, you know, listen, Michigan, at, sitting here as a Spartan fan, I would have killed to score 20 points in a game. I mean, I don't even – I feel like we may never have even done that. Um, it seems like so long ago. But, uh, you know, for a team that's actually a very capable and, and relies on their offense type of team – you're just not going to win games when you're when you're putting up those type of offensive efforts. Um, you know they're giving up a lot of points. They only had the they think their total defense ranked in the 60s this year. But like you said, their passing defense not good. Um, it's if Michigan State had an average offense, I think they would have a huge huge. First of all, they wouldn't be playing in the Red Box Bowl. Second of all, if they were playing in this game, I think they would have a massive advantage over Oregon. I think Oregon's obviously a talented team. Herbert's obviously a talented quarterback. But, um, you know, the, the defense just doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. Now, like like you said, offensively, uh, I think the offense is going to have to, I mean, I don't know, score 21 points to win this game if you're Oregon. I mean, realistically, like, I'm not sure if you can – I'm yeah. not sure if MSU is scoring 21 points in this game. So, so let, that brings an interesting question. Realistically, I think – for Michigan State to win, they will have to hold to have a chance at winning. Michigan State will have to hold Oregon to twenty points or less. Is that fair? Uh, yes, I think that's okay. very fair. Okay, so they, a team that's averaging thirty-seven point two, Michigan State's defense, obviously, you know, one of the best in the nation. Twenty points seems like a a reasonable ask, right? Sure. Fortunately. You then you're on the flip side and you say, all right, where do 21 points come from? Yeah. And, and if you're, if you're, I think the best way Michigan state can approach winning this game or really the game plan that's going to help them is, is going back. And this is going to, again, sound sort of ridiculous, but going back to, and when I say this, just realize I'm not, I'm saying this with perspective if this offense can just for one game reach the levels of the three and nine rosters offense the tyler oak this is what i'm saying this is where we're at right now the then i think they can win this game now if you remember that team um, if you haven't you know blocked that out of your memory which i've tried it hasn't worked um me. I never will forget it. Yeah, I can't. I'm going to remember more about that year than most of the good years. But anyways, um, what that team did, if you go back and look at statistics, the offensive statistics are surprisingly decent. Um, what they liked to do was just hit on huge plays, just bombs. All Tyler O'Connor ever hit on. He couldn't hit anybody running a five-yard slant. He couldn't hit anybody running a crossing route. Nothing easy, but all those bombs down the field. He used to connect on them all the time. Guys like RJ Shelton making plays uh, all over the place. And Michigan State is a better receiving core this year than that, especially now that, you know, aside from Felton, everyone's had a month off, probably healthy. Um, that's probably the best approach they can take. You're not going to dink and dunk your way down on on this defense. Their top three tacklers are all linebackers. They run a 3-4. So um, to me, that sort of rules out the east to west type of offense because the the key of the three four is you know you want to have more athletes closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, they've got some really fast athletic outside linebackers as as they always do, and they've got some some big dudes in the middle 
that, you know, they trust to stop the run. And you look at some of the statistics here and they bear it out. Uh, their middle linebackers, Troy Dye and Kalana Apelu, um, lead the team in tackles. And Dye uh, especially is is a tackling machine. He had 107 tackles this year. The next closest person, Apelu, had 58. So, wow. yeah. So you want to run up the middle, you're probably meeting number 35 there somewhere. Um, Justin Hollins, their third leading tackler, had 12 tackles for loss. Uh, he is an outside linebacker. Point of the matter is they like to do a, they, they get most of their work done in the front seven. Um, and, and I think that is a perfect foil for what Michigan state has attempted to do in the East West type of, um, running game and gadget game that they've tried to use. I think they need to go back to just taking some shots and you, you know, it's going to lead to some ugly looking throws. It's going to lead to, you know, people, you know, kind of throwing their hands in the air and wondering why, but look at how the offense has worked this year. It's been horrible. Oregon has a weak spot. It's their secondary. You're not going to consistently, you've seen you're not going to consistently move the ball. Take the big shots, go for the home runs. If you can connect once or twice and then put together one more decent drive, you know, you might end up at 21 points. And really, if you flip it to the other side of the ball, and you talk about Oregon's offense against Michigan State's defense, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, we do need to talk about uh, Justin Lane here in a second. But um, if you think your defense is good enough, which I think they've proven they are, uh, to cause a couple turnovers, make some big plays, give your team some field position, I think there is a way for Michigan State to win this game. It's just, I don't know, color me skeptical because of what I've watched all year. But uh, I, I do think there is a path to victory here. So do you think uh, do you think D'Antonio will move away from the thing he's always done, which is field position, you know, and grind it out? Do you, re- do you really think Dave Warner and Mark will uh, will adhere to that? Uh, field position wise, no. I think if you get, I think that's that's kind of a secondary point. Like they, they're always going to try to win field position. I think they'll try to. They're still going to try to run the ball. Don't get me wrong. They will. There's no question. They whether it's smart or not. Uh, they will try to run the ball. I just would like to see them off of that when you're running play action, when you're actually putting the ball in the air, having it not be these little slants over the middle, not trying to put together a 15 play drive. You know what I mean? Like don't aim for that nine minute drive every time your offense can't do it. They've proven they can't do it. What I'd like to see is them get a little more aggressive. Listen, you're still going to have to run the ball to set up the pass. It's, it's how they're going to do it. But if off of those runs, you can take some more deep shots. You can buy your quarterback a little bit of time. Let these guys make plays with their legs. Um, you know, to me, that's the way that you can win this game. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to execute consistently enough offensively to to just grind it out and you know put on some some clinic. But that does raise an interesting point when it comes to you know, hey, throw it deep. Who's playing quarterback? Yeah, don't know. We will see. What, we, know it, who, we know who will not be playing cornerback. Mm, uh, yeah. Nice. Justin Lane declaring. Awesome. Good for him. Um, did not love that Coach D'Antonio kind of gave him grief. Did you see that? I did. I did. Like, what is that? That's crap, man. Like, <clears throat> if you are going to create an environment of people, or excuse me, a culture – 
whose ultimate goal here is not to win Mark D'Antonio football games. It's to go to the NFL. Let's be very clear about that. This is a means to an end for almost every single scholarship player. That is the goal. Absolutely. And then you have achieved that goal, or at least are in line to do so. Why would one jeopardize that goal to play in an exhibition? And for Mark, that's a really, that's a bad thing to put out into the, to the universe when you start to think about getting kids like Justin Lane in the future. You're going to have a coaching staff who will openly criticize your dream to go to the NFL. What I just said is is definitely how uh, Mark D'Antonio's rivals will be spinning it to future recruits. Yeah, and and I think something that's important to think about here is that the quote was a little misleading. I'm a victim of, uh, or a, 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 I'm responsible for maybe not watching the entire press conference and just reading it. Um, but in reading it, it gave off a message very similar to the one that you mentioned, John. Now, um, people have pushed back cause I t- talked about it on Twitter and people pushed back and said, you know, the quote was misappropriated, whatever it like is misquoted. Um, that to me doesn't really matter. Like, I I get that. That's understandable that people can get frustrated by that. But, like, that quote, it's out there. It's out there and it's out there for public consumption. It's it's going, if you think I misquoted it or I read it wrong, you think there's not a college recruiter that's out there selling that exact same message that I misquoted to every single person that they're recruiting against Michigan State for? You're crazy if you think that's not happening. So, it's really, it's, it's almost like a PR thing in a lot of ways. And given what we've seen at Michigan State in the past years plus, I'm not surprised that there's not a, you know, a better understanding of what's going to be like a good PR job. Like I, (laughs) I, you know what I mean? Like I get what D'Antonio is saying. I get that he believes in completion. He used that, you know, in his famous speech after the Rose Bowl. Um, But ultimately what you said it is is going to be more of a detriment to your program and it just doesn't send the right message to kids like i, I like you should be whether you feel the way or that way or not you just shouldn't say it like you just shouldn't say it like say it behind closed doors say it to your coaches say it to the player it doesn't matter go ahead but like in front of the media, when you're talking about this, you're talking about a meaningless bowl game. You're talking, you know, ultimately, like we'll remember watching the Red Box Bowl. We're not playing for a national championship here. Like, ultimately, you you just should be a little more aware of the situation and speak, choose your words a little bit better. I know Coach D'Antonio has always been candid. He's always been going to speak his mind, but there are, you know. It just seems kind of uh, self-defeating in, when you say something like that. But um, like you said, Justin Lane not going to be playing. I think, to me personally, to put it to look at it from Lane's perspective, I think he's making the right decision. I mean, if you're going to go, you know, we won't. It has. It's not like it's some huge thing where players play in bowl games, even when they know they're going to the NFL and they get hurt. It's not some, you know. Uh, plague uh, on football players, but it has happened a couple times to really good players. Jake Butt down at Michigan tore up his knee uh, and ended up slipping to the third round when he had a chance to go a little higher than that. Uh, Jalen Smith is the example everybody wants to th- talk about. He was a top 
five pick. Uh, he's starting to play like it now, but he's starting to play like it now, you know, almost three years removed from a horrific uh, knee injury that, you know, it was very, very close to ending his career without him making a dime. Um, to me, I, if I was Justin Lane, I'd be doing the exact same thing. I don't blame any of these kids for doing it. Now, if you're sitting out a playoff game, that's something different entirely. I think there's – or sitting out the Rose Bowl or something that really means a lot to your program or to to you personally. I think there's a difference, but you're talking about the Red Box Bowl here. You're talking about also a prospect in Justin Lane who has great size, great speed, a great pedigree, and really good statistics to back all this stuff up. You're talking about a kid who, yeah, maybe I have Homer glasses on, but I don't think I do here. You're talking about a guy that could be, you know, a second-round pick like pretty easily. I mean, cornerbacks are in absolutely crazy high demand in the NFL, and this guy's got size, speed, strength, you know, uh, maybe not strength just yet, but size and speed and pedigree that – I don't know if I'm an NFL team, I get pretty excited about. So um, to me, D'Antonio was a little short-sighted here, and I think Justin Lane is doing the right thing. It's a little disappointing to hear those things from D'Antonio, but ultimately I think as a as a fan base, we should just support Lane in, in the decision that he's made. So let's, let's tackle this issue a, a little further <clears throat> because some of the arguments I've seen and not just within Michigan State's world, but the entire college football world is um, a little bit of extremism, right? Well, people say, well, if this, then where does it stop? And so one of the areas is where people say, well, if a team um, is out of the running for the playoff in week five, who's to stop a kid from quitting then? We're fostering a culture of quitting. Here's my response to that. As I mentioned at the beginning this is all this is every college football game they may love their university and grow to love their program the way we do and it takes time to do that it's all about getting to the nfl for these scholarship players and just like it was all about getting a job is why we went to college okay let's not pretend that it's anything other than that so when a kid no kid will quit in week five or week six because they're out of the playoff because they don't have the resume to make it to the league at that point. Mm -hmm. You just simply don't. And even if you're a senior quarterback and you're, and you know, you might be a top 10 prospect. I'll tell you that part of the resume for being a quarterback in the NFL is being a leader. So that will be a knock against you if you were to quit in week five. So there is no like extremism here that really could manifest itself. In my opinion, there will be no people who are quitting in week five because their team won't make the playoffs. It's just not realistic, but it does make sense for someone to, to, to not play in an exhibition game because it's pointless. They don't right. need that on their resume anymore. The, the stats will not help them or hurt. They can likely only hurt them at that point. Well, so that's, that's kind of my stance. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And and the other part of this is, like, this isn't a rampant issue. Like, I, it, it happens in high – and it only happens – I think that what gets lost is this happens in high-profile instances. Like, it happens from players from big schools uh, that are names that are fairly household. And the reason for that is because those are the best players. Those are the kids that are going to the draft, that are going to get picked highly in almost every – instance. Justin Lane is no exception to this rule. Um, And 
on the flip side too for for Michigan State fans who want to get caught up in recruiting and talking about you know why aren't we landing five star classes? If you get those types of players, this stuff's going to happen more often. You yep. get good players, they're going to leave for the NFL. They're going to skip games like this. Now, here's a perfect example. Flip, think about Justin Lane. Just a, a perfect example of your point, John. Justin Lane is leaving because he's got tape. He's got three years of starting tape, more or less. Um, and he's got the size of the measurables. LJ Scott is playing in this game because he needs more tape. He barely played this year. He wants to show people that he is healthy. He's recovered from his injury and um, is is ready to roll. He needs that recency. Justin Lane doesn't need that. It's like you're not going to get kids quitting halfway through the year. I, I mean, it, maybe it'll happen once, but I think um, the, the instances in which it happens already are so specific that I just struggle to envision that becoming – something that happens more than one super odd case uh, where kids are quitting in the middle of the year. I just don't, I don't see it. And from a fan's perspective too, like, like that's fine. Like let's support our guys. Don't we want them to a be success? Like you want them to be successful. And then on the other side of it, it's like, I don't know me as a fan. I'm excited to see some of the kids that step into his shoes. These are the guys that are going to play next year for us specifically. We might finally get a look at Kalon Gervin. We'll get another look at uh, Josh Butler. Um, you've got Xavier Henderson, who's playing safety, but you know, you uh, Dom Long apparently is on the two deep at corner. You get excited to watch these young guys. Trey, more of Trey Person. Like, yeah, maybe it costs Michigan State in this game, but like, are you going to remember an eight and five season and a Red Box Bowl win over a seven and six season? Like, it, it's an exhibition. If it's not a Big Ten championship game, it's not. The Rose Bowl. I think we just need to support our guys and 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 wish him nothing but the best. I I I know that you and I both feel the same way about that one. For sure. So so that said, you know there is a cornerback we don't know if he will play or not. Josiah Scott, the other side. So he uh, is likely, you know, it's his decision with the coaching staff on if he'll be playing, and that's relevant because that would be burning his medical red shirt if he were to play in this game. Uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, so you and I have talked about this before, but um, I think at first blush, it seems really stupid. I think in the initial assessment, you're like, okay, this guy missed half the season. He has a med- a red shirt, not even a medical red shirt, just his regular red shirt that every single football player is allowed to take. Um, he has that. Okay, great. Let's preserve this year of eligibility and and make him come back next year as a redshirt sophomore, even though he got to play basically half of this season. Um, or he would end up playing four games of this season. Um, but when you think about it a little more, I, I, I don't – if he plays in this game, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Yes, it's costing him a year of eligibility down the line. But realistically, you have to look at this in a player-specific and situation-specific with that type of view because Josiah Scott, he's not going to be around for another three years. He's proven with basically a year plus of tape that he is an NFL caliber player. He is a lockdown cornerback. I mean, even though he came back off of an injury this year, he played his tail off in the three games that he's played. Um, 
teams were starting to now go back to throwing at Justin Lane rather than throwing at Josiah Scott. That says a lot. I mean, he's, an, he's a legitimate NFL prospect already as a sophomore. You're giving up what would be the year 2021. To me, if he wants to play in this game, so be it. Like, it, you're, 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 there's no way you're going to get three more seasons of Josiah Scott at Michigan State. He'd either declare after two years from now as a redshirt junior, or excuse me, he would either declare from two years from now. Uh, yeah, I guess he would be a redshirt junior if he didn't play in this game, or he would just graduate as a senior. I mean, he's not sticking around. So to me, um, I leave it up to him. I let him decide what he wants what he wants to do. But I think either way, MSU, uh, we're looking at no matter what he does in this game, we got one, maybe two years left of Josiah Scott uh, at best. So just enjoy it while you've got him. Exactly. And again, it's about empowering these kids on their journey to bigger things. It's his decision. If he wants to play, great. He hasn't played it. You know, he, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and by, yeah, as you mentioned, the dude's going to go, he's not going to be around his senior year. And if he did, and if he was able to, something went horribly wrong because he is so capable of making it in the league and leaving after his uh, sophomore or, you know, redshirt sophomore, junior year, whatever it ends up being. So um, the secondary definitely will be tested, even if he will be playing now that Lane will not be playing. But as you mentioned, Great opportunity for these young guys. It is an exhibition. Doesn't really matter. Um, we'll see the the Kalon Gervins of the world and the Josh Butlers get some tick and against an NFL quarterback. So, do you yeah. have a, do you have a prediction for this game? Oh man, um, I don't like picking against Michigan State, but um, I, I have a hard time. <laughs> Without knowing the quarterback situation, um, I have a hard time predicting them to to win this game. I think they're coming in on kind of a thud of a, a low note headed sort of in the wrong direction. Um, whereas, you know, Oregon's, you know, with all the news they've received, is, is, is probably pretty optimistic and excited to use this game as that springboard. Um, it was only Mario Cristobal's you know, head coach's first year. It's his second year next year. I mean, they've their program is trending up. Michigan State's, I think, this year is not an in, indicative necessarily of what's to come, but uh, is is you know, it's they're kind of flat right now. Um, so without knowing whether Brian Lewerke is healthy, if he is, I think that does legitimately make a huge difference. Um, if he's healthy and ready to go and has had a month to practice, truly, I think, you know, Michigan state's odds increase here, but if you're going with Rocky Lombardi, you know, you're putting him under another huge microscope. You, you've seen some growing pains from him. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be able to put up the, the, and I don't trust Dave Warner at all. So I don't know if they're going to be able to put up the points to hang. Uh, I think the defense will answer the call. I think they'll really impress and, you know, hopefully, uh, hold Oregon fairly low, um, but I, I'm just not sure MSU has the, the horses on offense right now to, to do anything about it. Um, so I'd say Oregon, I'll be, I'll say, uh, 20 to 14, 24, 14 Oregon wins. Okay. Yeah. My prediction is the only prediction I'll give is the, it will be the under of 48. <laughs> yes. Strong agree. 
because you you know Oregon's averaging 37 points a game. I don't see any situation in which Michigan State's defense gives up more than 28. Yeah, I'd be shocked if that happens. Let's say they give up 28. Do you see Michigan State's offense scoring 21? That, no. that is the situation, right, in which it would hit the over. So that's why I'm kind of hitting the under here. Is I just It's hard for me to see Michigan State's offense scoring that many and Michigan State's defense giving up that many. Yeah. So that that's where I'm at. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, hopefully we're wrong. I would love yeah. to – I mean, this really could – If let's end on a positive note. Yeah. If, if MSU can find a way to win this game – Oh, yeah. You end up at 8-5. and five. Now listen, we don't want to hang our hat on eight and five seasons. Far from it. Uh, that is not the standard Mark D'Antonio set for the program. It's not the way we sh- what what we should expect on a year in and year out basis. But given everything that's happened this year, given the struggles, given the injuries, given the frustration, um, ending up at an eight win season with wins over Penn State and Oregon and Utah State, frankly, yeah. Listen. There are a lot, a lot, 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 lot of programs that would kill for that. Look at, look at, I mean, not to compare us to Purdue, but it's a team that everyone's like, oh, wow, they're, you know, on the up and up. They just went six and six and had to beat Indiana in the last week to make a bowl game and are now going to play Auburn. Uh, Michigan State could end up with two more wins with than them and be really disappointed. They won six games and are absolutely ecstatic. It's a matter of expectation, but... You get to eight wins, you can build on that. I mean, I mean, there's really nowhere to go but up for the offense, and you've got uh, a, a really talented team coming back next year. If the injury bug just sort of, you know, just chills out, just just chill out, just chill out, um, then you know, there's no reason to think that this program is in uh, hot water. So if if they can find a way to win, it would be. Um, I, I don't think it would be insignificant. So. When and if Michigan State pulls this out, and nice. and, and they they there are advanced stat uh, programs like S and P Plus that predict Michigan State will win. Um, when we go eight and five, do we get a revenge tour? Is that how it works? <laughs> I just I don't know. I'm asking. Yeah, uh, against certain teams, maybe. Do we get to get T-shirts and hats and mm, stuff? No, you know what, John? When you've been there and done it before, the T-shirts and hats don't really need to be made. We've got the T-shirts and the hats with the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl and college football playoff logos on them. We don't need, we don't need and, revenge tours. And Big Ten championships. And Big Ten championships. Really, we got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of swag. So That's why we, we didn't get much for Christmas in the Michigan State area because we have so much already. There it is. Bringing that thing full circle. I love it. All right. All right, guys. Well, for John, this has been Austin. Thank you for joining us. Um, We will hit you guys next week with – we'll probably come at you um, after the – probably record after the Northwestern game next week. So we'll have a recap of that, recap the bowl game, uh, some New Year's resolutions, all that good stuff. Um, But for John, this has been Austin. Austin, where are we watching the game? Ooh, good point. Uh, I believe – John and myself will be watching the game at uh, Hopsmith on Division uh, in Chicago. If you are in the area, um, swing by, say hi. We'll be hanging out there, and if we end up somewhere else, we'll we'll tweet it out. But, yeah, please come by and say hello. Um, I've never signed an autograph, 
I'm not assuming that'll happen here, but I will write my name on something for you if you want. I'll be writing my name on the bill for a round of Malort shots. That I can promise will happen. All right, guys. Well, yeah, hopefully we catch you uh, at Hopsmith. If not, this, uh, for uh, thanks for a great 2018. I know John and I always have a ton of fun recording this, and um, cheers to another good one uh, coming up. So for John, this has been Austin. Uh, we will catch you guys later. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.